You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup for another off-season discussion. We have been approaching this fun series of keep, get rid of, or debate if they should stay with the New York Giants. For various position groups, we already did the skills. And if you missed that one, go check that out. We talk quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. But today we're doing probably the most uh, polarizing position group on this team that needs to get a total rework in this first offseason under Joe Shane. That is, you guessed it, the offensive line. So guys, going into keep, this is um, probably a very thin list. Not a lot of promising names on here. And I think there's only one guy in the keep category that we can say will actually be a confirmed starter next year. The remainders have to still prove themselves and hope that nobody is drafted in their specific positions. But needless to say, Andrew Thomas, that's the absolute no-brainer. We don't need to sit here and argue or debate if Andrew Thomas should be coming back. His progression since his early start and struggles uh, as a rookie has really, really been nice. We've seen him turn into a really high-quality left tackle for this Giants offensive line. And PFF, who I know there's varying opinions on how much we trust that, but they seem to really like Andrew Thomas and what he's been able to do. So Andrew Thomas, not a shocker that we're saying keep. Yeah, I think even if he was a mediocre left tackle, it would be a no-brainer to keep him because, well, <laughs> you need you need something up there. Yeah, I was just thinking, I as we're going through our lists and trying to break these guys down and sort them out before we got started recording, yeah, would anyone not take the 2017 offensive line just straight up right now. Yeah, Jeez, probably. Man, that, uh, that is so disgusting to think about, Chris. That 2017 offensive line was just gross. Mm. But I have to say, at least with this offensive line, you have the left tackle situated. And I think that's a big deal. Left tackle, that is the premier position in this group right here. And, and the Giants have that figured out. Andrew Thomas has been a hit. You know, it struggled early on, and we don't forget that. We overanalyzed the crap out of it, rightfully so, because it looked like it could have been a bust. He had a strong finish to his rookie season. Comes into this year, remember that first preseason game that he had significant action against the New England Patriots, got beat twice by Josh Uche, did not look great, caused concern, but in the entire year, he's just the anchor, the best offensive player on the team that was able to play the majority of the games. He missed a little bit of time with injury, but man, Andrew Thomas, to me, that that is something, that is the one lone bright spot we have right now as New York Giant fans. Yeah, pretty much. So um, let's get down into the dirt. <laughs> Right, let's get down into the dirt. And it's nice to have that there is at least one guy, it seems like it's been a while, one young player on the offensive line that we can look at positively. But two other young guys that were drafted, I believe, in the same year as Andrew Thomas, unless I'm, I'm mixing some of that yep, stuff they up. They were. 
They were. So Matt Parrott and Shane Lemieux, you could lump together in this category of because they're still under contract, it makes sense to keep them. But there's a, probably a very good chance that neither of them are starting or both of them are starting. Maybe one of them cracks the lineup because they weren't able to address one of the various positions on the offensive line. Now, both of these guys are in different circumstances. Shane Lemieux, we know, is very limited, and we don't think that we're probably going to get a lot more out of him because his ceiling wasn't very high. Parrott still is developing, and there is maybe that off optimistic chance that he somehow figures it out in year three, but these guys are just going to stick around for the reason that they're young, and they maybe have like a little bit of potential to do some things if they have to step in. They're young, and more importantly, they are cheap. The Giants are really in a tight crunch against the salary cap, so they can't go out and get a whole bunch of veterans, even even a a bunch of journeymen. They are going to have to rely on Parrott and Lemieux, hopefully as depth, but they almost can't afford to get rid of them right now because they, they need to be able to field they need to be able to fill out their roster and yeah, they almost can't afford to get rid of the, these young, these really young guys and bring in somebody else, you know, Pierre, it, I think will really depend on what his, what happens with his injury. You know, will he be, it happened late in the year. Will he be able to make it back in time for training camp or even the start of the season? Does he start on the pup list? Yeah, is his future just maybe a swing tackle? Do the Giants have to rely on him at right tackle? You know, they've got those two picks at the top of the draft, but you know, who knows how the top of the draft will shake out? It's a great point. It, re- it really is when it comes to uh, Matt Parrott, the injury. That's something that I mean, the Giants might not have him for those first six games. And then Shane Lemieux, he's coming off of a partially torn patellar tendon. Now, that happened in the preseason, in the offseason, actually, in training camp. So he presumably should be healthy, but that's not a foregone conclusion. Now, I will say this. I think Shane Lemieux has a realistic shot to start next year. I think he's limited as a pass protector. I think he has the right demeanor, the right attitude, and even the right technique to be a a solid to possibly even good run blocker now. The the pass protection is, is going to be an issue. He really struggled with quick counters that happened like right after the snap. And that was really evident against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he was beat by several different players, William Golston, Adama Kansu. They were really giving him fits, but that was also one of his first starts. It was really early in his career. And it's realistic that he could maybe be more developed to handle those types of counter moves. But I think at the end of the day, I don't think the Giants are going to be able to replace four members along an offensive line. And Shane Lemieux, will probably compete with somebody else we're going to go over for a starting position on this offensive line. And he, if the Giants are really, you know, in a, in a quagmire, then they might have to start both of them. Yeah, that that's, I think a reality Giants fans have to confront where yeah, it's great that the Giants have their left tackle. They've got Andrew Thomas, but that's only 20% of their offensive line. The other 80% 80% is nothing but questions at this point. And that other yeah, resolving, was, oh, go, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. And that other player I was referring to was Ben Bredesen, but we'll get to him in a little bit. Yeah, Bredesen's a, a different fold in the conversation. Um, but like you're saying, though, Nick, it's, it's not going to be easy to try and resolve all four of those, which is why there's a chance that one of these guys is starting 
in week one. And maybe there's the really optimistic chance that they really attack trying to fix this offensive line, but the, the chances of that actually coming to fruition in this first year under new management is very, very unlikely. So one of the weaker links is probably going to have to step in. And then speaking of a, a weaker link, Will Hernandez, who was drafted in the second round a few years ago in the same draft class as Saquon Barkley. There was a lot of upside and potential for Hernandez. Uh, I felt like that first year as a starter, everyone spoke very highly of him and his potential, but he didn't really pan out. And if anything, we saw a regression through his career so far with the Giants. And he might be the biggest guarantee for get rid of because of that lack of ability to show improvement and especially the fact that he's taken steps back in various parts of his time in New York. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Nick. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah, man. I mean, Will Hernandez has been a colossal disappointment. I was for that pick back then. I mean, I saw him down at the senior bowl. He seemed to be, uh, to be, I would say, I don't want to call him athletic, but he seemed to be able to really open his hips to pick up stunts, which is something that he'd never recognized, or at least didn't consistently recognize at the NFL level. And when you have a really strong rookie season, which I would say he did back in 2018, it was a strong rookie year. Every year since then, 2019, he progressed. 2020, he had the COVID. We kind of made excuses for that, but I don't necessarily want to say excuses because they could have been legitimate for somebody who's over 300 pounds contracting COVID. But then he comes back in 2021 and he looks even worse than he did in 2019. And it's just like, he has to go. And I get it. Will Hernandez has never really been surrounded by an excellent offensive line, but he's never been a reason why the offensive line was any good. The offensive line was never good while he was here, but he was a part of that problem. And I don't think there's a way the Giants can bring this guy back. I had hopes that he would be able to kind of hit his stride in 2021. It definitely did not happen, and the tape was really ugly. Yeah, if you draft a guard at the top of the second round, I mean, practically a first-round draft pick, really it's just the length of the contract, not having that fifth-year option that really separated him from being a a first-round draft pick. You know, you expect that player to be a a foundation piece. You know, a guy a guy you can build the rest of your offensive line around. A rock right there in the middle. And you know, we thought we might have had that based on his rookie year. And you guys nailed it. He just kept regressing. He kept, you know, getting more inconsistent instead of more consistent, which is really what you expect from a guy as he gets older as he develops as he gets more reps and more coaching and you know maybe it is because the the pieces around him were so unsettled and guards really do benefit from having good players around them but you know at some point you need to take that step forward and Hernandez just kind of took steps backwards and I I don't know how the Giants could justify keeping him around for another year especially since he's a free agent they would have to sign him to a second contract and again major cap crunch this year there's just no way they can justify it and also I would like to say while we're talking about guys to get rid of can we just completely circle file the term hog mollies I never want to hear that again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it'll be a uh it'll be, yeah it'll be a kind of like relic statement that we can look back on and be like do you remember that oh wow how depressing is that we all got our hopes up that this guy was going to come in here and fix the offensive line because if you look back to the jerry reese years that was a reason why the offensive line was bad when dave gettleman got here is because jerry reese did a really bad job 
bringing effective offensive linemen. And it's like, oh, well, it can't get worse. And it, it got worse. <laughs> it, it was like, man, we got fooled, you know? Hog mollies just toss that thing in the trash. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, and the last thing I just want to throw out there about Hernandez, and I almost wonder if if he stagnated, if he just kind of stayed where he was after his rookie year. I, I wonder if that would have been enough for him to stick around, but that... That regression, you can't get worse in your first contract. You just can't. It's it's how you play yourself out of the league. It's how you play yourself off of a roster. You'll probably get an opportunity elsewhere for a team that's desperate for offensive linemen. But I think the Giants' new management, bad taste in their mouth, and not getting any good results out of him, he's very likely gone. And I I, I think I think we can say we can all agree here that Hernandez is probably out of all the people that we're going to talk about today because there's possibilities that something unexpected happens. Hernandez is probably the most likely to get booted off this, this group in this offseason, right? Yeah, and I, I would say at this point, it's probably best for everyone involved. He, he's a high second-round pick. There was a reason why he was a high second-round pick. He's going to get another chance somewhere. Maybe a change of scenery, uh, different offensive scheme, different coaching, yeah, different teammates. Yeah, maybe that will help him and maybe he'll be able to get his career back on track. But if so, good for him. I'm rooting for that to happen just, you know, because I like the way he plays the game, you know, when he's on. But yeah, I don't think that's going to happen in New York. No, neither do I. It's just far too inconsistent. His play has kind of always been inconsistent and it's very frustrating. It really is. But best of luck wherever you go, Will Hernandez, because it's probably not going to be here in New York, like you said. Now opens up the debate portion of some guys that we're a little bit unsure of. And two guys that come into the equation, one of them is an unrestricted free agent. The other one had a potentially career-ending injury. Nick Gates and, and Billy Price is who I'm referring to. The Giants' center position is one of the bigger messes on this offensive line that they need to figure out. Now, Nick Gates was starting to look really good playing center. He was starting to show signs of a, a possible gem that they got for you know not having to spend a very high draft pick to go and get a player like this. And he looked like a very quality starter for what he was able to do. And then that gruesome injury he suffered early on this year really messed up that possibility of him being a quality starter because of the impact of the leg injury, the possibility that he's just physically not capable of playing again. All that stuff, it really derailed all of those possibilities. So the question that we kind of now have to think about here with Billy Price, who's a, an unrestricted free agent, and Nick Gates is 
do we have optimism for Nick Gates maybe coming back? Is that a lost cause? And then the other side of things is that do the Giants even have the capability to address the center position in the draft when after Linderbaum and maybe a couple other guys, it's pretty thin. There's really not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of options for them to go and fix the center position. Um, and it might be tough in free agency. So do you sign a guy like Billy Price to come back, even though the results really weren't that great? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. In terms of Nick Gates, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how far along he is right now. I know he's had several different surgeries and it was a gruesome injury. And, you know, I'm really pulling for him, but I think he counts for like, what, $3 million against the cap. I'm not 100% certain on those numbers. Joe Shane needs to make really tough decisions. Nick Gates could fall into that category. Now, I think there's um, something in his contract where if he is released, it's going to cost the Giants more in the long run because he has some sort of injury protection within that contract. So that could factor into it as well. I'm just hoping I think the Giants, you know, ask him to take a pay cut because he might not play this year and then he's retained. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a, a great individual to have in your locker room and he's an effective player when he's fully healthy, but we may not see him this year. And that's kind of where I'm at with Nick Gates. I would like for a pay cut, keep him on the roster, put him on the injured reserve list if you have to and have him just rehab and then get back to being the football player that we love to watch. And as for Billy Price, I think it's realistic that you can bring him back. It's going to have to be at a low number. It's going to have to be maybe a one-year prove-it type of situation. Look, we have a new regime coming in here. I don't find him to be a, a good starter whatsoever. I think he could be a, a functional starter that you can use if you can't upgrade your center position. Ideally, hopefully he could slide into a, a swing interior offensive lineman spot to where if someone gets hurt, you could start him in a pinch and it won't kill you but I, I don't think he's necessarily that great of a player so if he does walk I'm not gonna be upset about it but uh, the Giants man they don't have a, a lot of cap space to to redo this offensive line and Price could be willing to come back on a little bit of a discount yeah I would say with Nick Gates for me it absolutely 100% comes down to the medicals it comes down to what the doctors say I I too am not a doctor I haven't seen his medical reports all we know is that he couldn't promise that he would be a be able to play football again and as of October he had had something like six surgeries to repair his leg that's a lot uh yeah I don't want to count on him I also don't want to count him out if the Giants can keep him around, maybe keep him on the injured reserve, maybe have him take a, a pay cut, you know, massage his salary cap number somehow, maybe move if they if there is optimism that maybe he could play in 2023, maybe move his move his money to that year. That might involve signing him to an extension. I you know, however the financials work out. As for Billy Price, I, I think he could be a good utility interior lineman. You know, a good guy to have on your roster as a just in case. I wouldn't want to have to rely on him as a starter either. But again, the Giants might have to. You know, I really love Linderbaum. I, I actually was pleasantly surprised by Cole Strange at the Senior Bowl. But like you said, Nick, the the center position. There are some guys who I think could be starters in the right situation. But that would really come down to what kind of scheme the Giants are running, whether or not they can get enough quality pieces on their offensive line where you don't have to rely on an Alec Lindstrom to be the centerpiece 
on your offensive line and then wind up wanting to run power with a zone only center. Yeah, you know, that I think would not work all that well. And yeah, you know, it's the giant it really is a difficult kind of uh puzzle to piece together on this offensive line because they've they really don't have any building blocks apart from Andrew Thomas and they don't have anything apart from the draft to, to add pieces with. And, you know, do you really want your most experienced player to be a third year left tackle and then four rookies? Yeah, that's, that's tough. But then the other pieces you have are really just barely replacement level players, guys who you would really prefer to be backups. You know, we talk about how the Giants first order of business has to be fixing this offensive line, but I am really not sure how they can get it done, you know, really, truly fixed in one year. This is a multi-year rebuilding project. Upsettingly. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, you're looking at maybe bringing in Matt Skura back uh, as your veteran, like, like, like that's the situation the Giants are in. And some people I've seen on Twitter point out, well, the Chiefs turn their offensive line around. And I'm like, that that's not really comparable because the Chiefs, a, they, they really sought out to sign guys like Joe Tooney to trade first round. Uh, I think it was a first round pick for Orlando Brown. And then they had the just absolute luck to have Creed Humphrey fall into their lap in the second round. And they land on Trey Smith in the sixth round. That's a lot of, that's a lot of things that just like really came to fruition for the chiefs. And it must like, if I was a chiefs fan, I would have been elated at that time for all of those things to happen. And it really meshed well for the Kansas city chiefs, but that can't, that's not going to happen for the New York giants. The giants don't have the cap space to go out and sign the top interior offensive lineman. They're not going to trade a first round pick for uh, a disgruntled tackle who didn't want to be in Baltimore. So he was able to kind of leverage his way out of there to go to Kansas city in Orlando Brown Jr. So I don't see that happening. And, I, and I'm afraid that you're you're correct, Chris, that this is probably going to be a multi-year rebuild. But what does that say about the Giants offense this year? And what does that say about Daniel Jones this year in, in his one-year, quote-unquote, prove-it type of situation and scenario? Yeah, and the Giants are in a completely different position than the Chiefs were. Yes. they <laughs> The rest of their team was pretty much set. They were in the Super Bowl, you know, not too long before they rebuilt that offensive line. They didn't have to figure out a wide receiving core. They didn't have to figure out their secondary. They didn't have to figure out their edge position or linebacker position or, you know, all of the other things, tight end position that the giants are going to have to figure out over, I I would say the next two off seasons. Right. A lot of work that needs to be done to to try and fix this offensive line. And I think that's probably the, the lightest way to possibly put it. And I, I mean, frankly, do, there's, I don't think anyone should be shocked if we spend most of this offseason talking about offensive line prospects, talking about offensive line for agents, because I, I know that this, this roster does need an overhaul at multiple spots, but offensive line it needs to start somewhere. And there's a reason why you keep seeing these mock drafts that feature two offensive linemen in the first round with that five and seven pick. So a lot that needs to be done to fix this Giants O-line, and, and they're going to put in a lot of effort this offseason to fix it, and hopefully the right changes are made to potentially make that happen and move forward. Folks, that's going to be it from us. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date. We will talk to you later in the week.
Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.